Welcome back to Star Wars Meanderings and Ramblings, where I am your host, Kiri Mohan, and I just talk about Star Wars all the time. I can't imagine talking about anything else, and I love doing this, so here we are. And guess what we're talking about today? Oh, you guessed it. Good job. We're talking about the Obi-Wan Kenobi show. Probably figured that out from the title and also because of timing. So, Obi-Wan Kenobi series on Disney Plus was six episodes. It is finally done, and I'm here with my thoughts on it. Honestly, it's the show that I don't think anyone needed. (laughs) And we're going to go into that, I promise. But it just felt like at the end of it, I kind of was like, eh, okay. Well, that was interesting, I guess. There were some things I liked, but most of the time there were things I really didn't like. I thought this show was very much a fan service show. It reminded me of The Book of Boba Fett, right? With The Book of Boba Fett, though, (laughs) that was almost worse because it took away Boba Fett's mystery and his badassness and everything that we grew to love about him. He turned into this kind of like hokey, lazy character, which I didn't love. At least Obi-Wan Kenobi had Owen McGregor. It was full of action. It, It was... In some ways, like, there was a little bit of depth, which I appreciated, like, the path and learning about the Jedi and what happened afterwards. And even getting to see um, Darth Vader slash Anakin Skywalker coming into his power or harnessing the dark side of the Force and being just wretched was really interesting. But again, I looked at it almost like a fan service show. It It was like Disney was like, hey... You know, prequel fans love Obi-Wan Kenobi. He was one of the most um, beloved characters of the prequels, which, I mean, who doesn't love? Hello there, General Kenobi. (laughs) Like, I mean, if you've seen all the memes and the gifts out there, like, Obi-Wan and Ewan, just so good. And so I feel like Disney was like, let's harness that and let's make a movie out of this movie trilogy. Because if you remember, it was originally going to be a movie trilogy. After, um... Solo kind of bombed in the box office, which I love Solo. I think it's a great, fun movie, which reminded me of Star Wars. Because, I mean, of Star Wars. It reminded me of, like, the original A New Hope Star Wars. Because it just didn't take itself too seriously. It was just fun. And I loved Solo, but it bombed in the box office. And I think some of that is Disney's fault. There was a lot of bad press around it with the directors that they let go. Bringing on Ron Howard at the last minute. I just think... Oh, and there were, like, complaints that Alden, Alden, is that his name? Yeah, Alden. He, his acting wasn't great, and they had to get an acting coach. So, you know, that was kind of their fault on why it bombed, I think. Um, they also released a Memorial Day weekend, which is actually usually a good time. But anyway, after that bombed, they decided they were going to pull the plug on the Obi-Wan Kenobi movie series and think about doing a TV show instead. And that took a while. As we know, COVID slowed it down. There were a lot of, you know, just, I think, uh, production difficulties. And here we are with a six-part series on Disney+. Plus. It was full of Easter eggs, lots of nods to, I think, the prequel trilogy and the original trilogy. Some Easter eggs included, like I talked about last time, the video game ripoffs. Um, If you watch the Clone Wars or even um, Star Wars Rebels. So when Darth Vader Vader and Ahsoka were fighting in Star Wars Rebels, um, one of the best finales. I mean, I didn't love Star Wars Rebels. I thought it kind of went off the 
beaten track. And I think that it got um, weird, to say the least. In the beginning, like, I think the first two to three seasons were pretty solid and good. And there's this season finale of Ahsoka finding out Darth Vader is Anakin and fighting him. And in that scene, Anakin or Darth Vader's helmet gets ripped in half, just like what happened in the Obi-Wan Kenobi show. It was like replicated. I read somewhere, though, that in the Obi-Wan Kenobi show, it was the left-hand side of Vader's face. And in Star Wars Rebels, it was the right-hand side. And they were kind of doing this mirror of like apprentice and master with Anakin, which I thought was interesting. Not sure if that was on purpose via Deborah Chow, but that was cool. But, you know, there was like a lot of nods and stuff like that in the show. Um, I think in the beginning, I didn't want this show or movie when it was announced. I had in my head this image of Obi-Wan living like after Mustafar, after the battle with Anakin, he goes to Tatooine and to watch Luke. And he's when he's leaving Yoda, he seems very like pensive, like he seems drained of energy. He seems sad but he doesn't seem defeated. And so I liked the idea of Obi-Wan going to Tatooine, keeping an eye on Luke, but growing in wisdom and growing in the force, learning from his failures and just being able to expand on that on his 20 years there, you know, like what happened with the Jedi, why they were a failure. I did not expect Disney to bring him in as a completely broken man. So I kind of figured something like that was going to happen when I saw the trailer, when I was hearing about the show. Like, I mean, why would he leave Tatooine? But I didn't expect him to be as broken as he was. Um, you know, when I saw the trailer and when I started reading more about the show, I did get a little bit more excited. And my image of Obi-Wan just sitting on the desert planet doing nothing for 20 years. I was like, okay, well, maybe they can do this. But why would he leave Tatooine, right? Like, why would he leave Tatooine? And the director, Deborah Chow, and the story creators, they decided to have Princess Leia as a young child be stolen from Alderaan. Bail Organa obviously begs Obi-Wan to help. Obi-Wan's like, uh, no, dude, I'm not doing that. And then he comes to him on Tatooine. How did he find him? Obi-Wan's supposed to be hiding. And yet somehow he found him in that cave. And he's like, please, you need to rescue Leia. And Obi-Wan's like, oh, fine. And this is when we get into the plot holes, right? Again, how did Bail find him on that random you know, cave. Tatooine's not that small. And yet everyone seems to be in the same place on Tatooine. Okay. But finding him in that cave? Yeah. The whole series, I felt like, had these plot holes and sometimes even retconning, which for those of you who don't know what that means, it's basically like, you know, there's a consistency within the Star Wars original trilogy. And George Lucas himself is known for retconning. I mean... Like, he's known to, like, be like, oh, shoot, uh, I don't know how that works. I'll just explain it in some way, like, the Force? I don't know. He does it all the time, but guess what? It's his movies. He can do it. So, Leia not remembering her mother. And then she dies in childbirth. <laughs> oh, well. <laughs> but when you start um, adding on to what he's done, even if you try your best to keep it canonical, you're going to retcon a little bit. Right. And there were also just general plot holes. One of my my biggest issues was Obi-Wan not knowing that Darth Vader lived. How do you not know that? And I talked about this in an earlier podcast and just like this just bothered me because I felt like they didn't have to make him 
baffled by that, right? Like they didn't have to make him surprised by that. They could have just, he could have just been like, you know, oh yeah, shit, I know Anakin's still alive. I know Darth Vader's still alive and I'm just not even going to touch that bear. I'm not even going to go into it. But they didn't. So that was one of the things that bothered me about the entire show. I didn't like Reva. I'm sorry. I have friends who loved her, who thought that the actress was great, who thought the character was great. I felt her acting was stale and monotone and with the same emotion every time, which was just like, Obi-Wan Kenobi, where are you? I'm Reva. I'm going to find you. I'm going to talk like this. <laughs> I thought there was no real character development and the character development that they had felt forced and it felt like it was very predictable. Oh, she was a Jedi youngling. Of course, that's why they were showing us these flashbacks of Anakin killing Jedi younglings and um, like consistently since the beginning of the show was because, oh, the big reveal, Reva was a Jedi youngling. Well, duh, right? Okay. And it just like felt like to me a little bit like her character was also inconsistent when they tried to show her powers. It's like she got the info from the mind of Haja Estri, right? On my, what was my, that planet I love, Dayu, Dayu, right? She got that information from his mind. And then she didn't do that with Uncle Owen. She tried to do it with Leia. It didn't work. Didn't that, didn't that say something to her? Like, why is Leia so resistant to that? Um, because if she could get it from Haja Estri so easily, that information, then and he doesn't have the force, shouldn't that bring some kind of warning bell to her? And why didn't she use that on Uncle Owen? She was clearly, clearly staring him down. He was looking at the ground. He didn't want to really meet her eyes. It was, you know, the first episode on Tatooine. And it's like, come on. She could have just yanked everything from his mind. So there's like that inconsistency with her that I didn't love. When she tried to kill Darth Vader in the second to last episode, and he was like, oh, I know what you've been up to all along. I knew you were going to try to kill me. Ugh. I was like, come on. That plan is nonsensical. It just... It, her in general, I did not like the character. It's like they needed another bad guy. I get that. They couldn't have Darth Vader in every episode. It would ruin what, you know, any kind of suspense or heightened tension. It would ruin it. But did we need her to play such strong, so, such a strong role? I mean, I guess, because they needed to get Leia off the planet. But that, that's another, like, inconsistency. Ugh, I can't talk. That's another inconsistency, right? So they get Leia off the planet, and Obi-Wan comes out of hiding. And at the end of the series, Vader's like, oh, I am going to keep looking for him. Just capture Leia again, right? I mean, why not? That sounds like a good idea. And then I had another thought. I was like, well, Obi-Wan helped Leia. Wouldn't this somehow, anyone with a brain would implicate the Organas that they're working with a Jedi. And so then their political front is totally, you know, blasted to oblivion. I, it, this stuff like that, like my mind would start churning. And I was like, oh, no, but that doesn't make sense. A few other things that I thought were like kind of plot holes. It's like, why would Bail Organa leave that sensitive message for Obi-Wan about Luke and Tatooine and all of that? I mean, okay. And then another thing about Reva that I thought, forgot about. Luke in A New Hope is like, eh, nothing happens on this planet. We're on the farthest from. We're so boring. 
And he just had this crazy event happen to him with an Inquisitor. Like, what? And then, like, it's cool seeing Baru and Owen, like, step up to the plate to protect him. Awesome. But they didn't have those alarms set up when all the stormtroopers came in A New Hope. Like, I get it. If a whole garrison comes, you can't do much to protect yourself. There are only two farmers. But I'm pretty sure it wasn't a whole garrison. Now that I've seen the Mandalorian, and I'm like, oh, that's a whole garrison of stormtroopers. What we saw in A New Hope was maybe three, four. And they didn't have all those alarms. They couldn't have escaped. Like, and then of course you know you're thinking about Darth Vader and that fire scene everyone talks about it and I agree with everyone it just looked like lame (laughs) like like the quality of these shows like where was the quality control like where was someone saying oh that doesn't really make sense and this is what's bothering me about these fan service shows like kind of keep coming back to it's like oh but people will keep watching anyway because it's obi-wan kenobi people will keep watching anyway because it's boba fett yes absolutely you're right i'm gonna i'm gonna keep watching it but that doesn't mean it sits well with me like i want to feel like there's something cohesive in this television show that is not effing with the original trilogy and the prequel trilogy too much and if you can't do that don't make the show like focus on something like the mandalorian Right, the reason why I like The Mandalorian so much. Mm. Okay, so Ahsoka coming back, didn't love it, but whatever. Luke Skywalker, I, I was okay with it. But the reason why I like Mandalorian is that it seems like they put so much time and effort into it. They started off in this Star Wars universe with characters we had never heard of. And look how well it's done and how much time and effort they put into it. And you can really tell, like, John Favreau, I mean, he's, a, he's worked with big budgets. He's a good solid hitter in the Hollywood industry so it's like when you have someone like that working on this stuff it's night and day not not knocking Deborah Chow but there is a difference you can tell a difference in the television show I think looking back on this show one of the biggest retcons there was to go back to that is the Leia speech that was on the hologram and R2-D2. You know, General Kenobi, you served my father in the Clone Wars. It just doesn't work as well now. The only thing that kind of matches up is when she says, um, when Luke comes to rescue her, and he's like, I'm here with Ben Kenobi and her two droids. And she goes, Ben Kenobi! And she seems excited. She seems like, oh yes, this is what I asked for. That is the only thing that makes me like, oh, maybe she did know him. But I get, like, at the end of the show, they're like, oh, we have to pretend this never happened. And little Leia's like, yeah. But still, if you're pleading because you feel like your life is at stake and you feel like the galaxy is, you know, government is at stake or whatever you're trying to build, wouldn't you be like, General Kenobi, remember when we had those harrowing experiences when I was, like, nine or ten years old? Don't you want to help me out? So that's, I think... I mean, it's it's hard, but that is definitely one of the places that I, I felt like they they messed with it. They, they couldn't help it with the nature of the plot. All right, I don't want to complain the whole time. What did I like? Okay. I heard, uh, I didn't hear, I read somewhere that every episode of Obi-Wan mirrored episodes one through six. You know, starting with a new, but actually in the, the order they were released. 
Was it the order they released? No, I think they were saying every episode mirrored one through six, like in chronological order. Yes, I think that was it because episode two with Dayu is going to be a little bit like um, Coruscant in Attack of the Clones. Uh, didn't completely agree with it, but I saw some similarities and that was fun to keep in mind when I watched the show. I loved Owen McGregor. Oh my gosh, he was great becoming Obi-Wan again. Even if I didn't agree with the character arc entirely with like the defeated and broken Obi-Wan, I still loved him being Obi-Wan. He's just so good. Um, The casting for Princess Leia, she grew on me. Vivian Lyra Blair. At first, I get it. She was annoying. But guess what? Do any of you guys have a daughter? Like I totally, totally 100% would have agreed with you before the people who complain. Like, yeah, she's annoying. But now that my daughter's six, she's showing those kind of traits that she had. Like the very, and especially I think myself and my husband, we're very, what's the right word? I don't want to say aggressive, but we're very forthright. We're very, um, we're dominant personalities. We'll say that. And I can see that coming out in my daughter. And sometimes I'm like, oh no, that's really rude. Don't talk like that. Oh no, people are going to perceive you as bossy. But then I see like, the character they did with Princess Leia, and I say, okay, it kind of makes sense. Especially you're growing up as a princess and you're growing up to lead a planet. She's going to be like that. So I thought the casting was great. I thought it echoed Princess Leia. I thought it echoed a little bit of Padme. And I, and she, the character got a lot better as the show went on. So she was definitely a highlight as well. I loved seeing new planets. That's always been one of my favorite things about Star Wars. And I think that kind of drew me into Star Wars when I was younger was just this imagination of going to different planets. My favorite was definitely Dayu in the second episode. I love, and oh, 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 okay. So Dayu definitely harkened back to um, George Lucas when he was trying to create a live action TV show. You can find online these like rough edits of a show, pilots, something that he basically filmed and was working on, but then it just, the budget was too high. You couldn't do these kind of TV shows back then. So he never made it. And he ended up doing the Clone Wars with Filoni instead. But if you look, you'll find this like show online, which so like it was so similar to Dayu, and I was really appreciative of that. I loved the little Easter eggs. You know, I loved at the end when the original trilogy chase music was playing in the last episode, and then we hear the Imperial March, and we hear Princess Leia's theme. There's just stuff like that in there that they threw in for fans um, that I you know, I, I was like, hey, I like that. Even lines, like, hello there at the end. <laughs> loved it. I mean, I would have loved it if Vader was like, I have the high ground. I don't know. I was just like waiting for it. You know, I was like, come on, say it. Nope. <laughs> but I, I loved that too. Um, I, I appreciated the reason why Obi-Wan left Tatooine. Of course, like, without that, we wouldn't have had a show, and maybe that would have been better. But, you know, I understood what they were doing with it. They had to find a very strong, compelling reason for Obi-Wan to leave Tatooine. And I honestly didn't think it was going to be Princess Leia. I don't know what I thought. I thought maybe, like, something to do with the Jedi. I didn't think it was going to be Princess Leia. So that was a surprise, and they kept that under wraps, and I thought they did a great job. And, of course, Joel Edgerton. If I once wrote a whole blog post devoted to him. He's... A great actor. Great actor. I wish he was in more of this show. I think he was so good. And I want to see more of him. Let's just do a show of boring Tatooine moisture farmers with Joel Egerton. And I would sign up. Absolutely. That's me. 
So now I've had a lot of thoughts that I've gotten out on here and there is a part of me that's wondering, am I now a curmudgeon and like a grumpy old fan that were the fans when I, when I grew up, I was the prequel girl, right? Like the Phantom Menace came out when I was 11 years old. I loved it. I loved it. 12, whatever. I was 11 or 12. And they were my show and I could not understand the complaints. I could not. Even Jar Jar Binks. I didn't even get that until I was older. I was just like, why are these like older fans so angry about these shows? It's like these this movies. Like they're so interesting. And especially the Phantom Menace. That's like one of, like that, it holds such a special place in my heart. I love the Jedi Order and everything. So now I'm wondering, is this, Am I being the older fan over these TV shows? Not counting The Mandalorian. Because this is, streaming is the way of the future. These TV shows, these series, are probably the way of the future. This is what children are growing up on nowadays. They're not growing up on movies so much. They're growing up in these bite-sized television shows that either you binge watch all at once or you watch over you know, a month and a half every week or something like that. And this is how they digest, literally digest, literally motion pictures, right? Motion pictures. It's different. It's turning into the television format, but it's still like film. But it's hard to use these words because I don't mean film like a movie. I mean film, which is not even film anymore. But, you know, motion pictures. If you've seen Singing in the Rain, this is a talking picture. That kind of stuff. This is how they digest motion pictures now. And maybe I am being grumpy because maybe this allows more laziness on Lucasfilm's part and it allows Disney to just say, okay, well, we're going to slap together this TV show and that's going to be it. So there's a part of me that realizes like I am stuck in the past and maybe I should let go a little bit of that um, as a hardcore fan and embrace a little bit more because I embraced the prequels and I could not understand the anger and resentment over them. But in the end, I felt like we didn't need this show. The very end of it, we see Qui-Gon as a Force ghost, which, weird, right? Because in the Clone Wars, it was only his voice. And if I remember correctly, he hadn't figured out how to do the body yet. And I thought Yoda was the first one to figure out how to do the body, but whatever. Maybe I'm wrong on that. Um, But, you know, you see Qui-Gon as the Force ghost. And it's like that's what they said was going to happen at the end of Revenge of the Sith. Like Yoda's like, hey, I figured out how you can commune with your old master. And Obi-Wan's like, oh, interesting, cool. Yes, I'll go to Tatooine and figure that out. And that's where we ended up at the end of the TV show. So I'm like, here we are. We didn't need it. Like they had to somehow tie everything back together with what George Lucas had created. And that's what they did. So it just kind of was like, "Eh, well, this is a take it or leave it show. It's not necessary for being a huge Star Wars fan. And that feels like my whole issue in the entire way of the show is like, we know what is going to happen to everyone. It's like, you know, Luke is gonna live. You know, Leia is gonna live. You know, Darth Vader is gonna meet up with Obi-Wan on the Death Star and A New Hope. And that's kind of like the difference between the Mandalorian. We don't know what's gonna happen. We don't have a stake in this. We don't like, care. I mean, we do have a stake. Yeah, sorry. We do have a stake in it because we don't know what the characters are going to be doing. And in the, in some way, Book, Book of Boba Fett too. But that's why it makes me a little bit more inclined to watch The Mandalorian. A little bit more invested. A little bit more like, ooh, this is fun. Oh, Grogu, so cute, you know? And and honestly, I'm currently re-watching The Mandalorian. I'm in the second season again. 
And it's like, I wouldn't do that with Obi-Wan Kenobi because I don't need to. I know what happens. I know that Luke and Leia live. I know that Darth Vader lives. I know Obi-Wan Kenobi lives and Dolan New Hope, you know, and I know all of that. So it's kind of like, this is my way of saying, did we need this show? And that's what I wanted to come back to and close the loop on. It just feels like you could watch Revenge of the Sith and go into A New Hope and not need this show, which is exactly what they were trying to do. But why? If you're going to spend the money and you're going to have this opportunity, let's let's do something with it that adds to the story not feels like, you know, oh, this is my Star Wars. I'm going to pick and choose what I want and I'm going to leave this. That's just my opinion. All right. I've wrapped it up. It was a long one, I know, but I it took me a while. I was marinating on all these thoughts. I actually wrote notes on this because I felt like I needed to have some kind of cohesiveness in this, not just be meandering and rambling as much as usual. Let me know what you guys thought of it. Let me know. You can find me on Instagram at The Virtual Jedi. You can find me on my blog, starwarsanon.wordpress.com. Um, on Twitter. What's my Twitter name? Virtually Kiri. <laughs> I couldn't even remember. But thank you for listening. And I'm curious what everyone else thought. Until next time, may the force be with you.